Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Back when the coronavirus first shut down businesses and daycares, many of us geared up for a brutal couple of months. But we'd get through this, we told each other. What's a few months if it helps to save lives? I remember one meme circulating about the amazing block party we'd have once this was all over. We'd hug each other and celebrate with giant glasses of wine. Now, we got through those early months. Many of us adjusted to a new normal. But for every step forward now, there seems to be two steps back. Some businesses that reopened have been forced to close again. Many others have yet to reopen at all. Last week, the St. Louis mayor and St. Louis County executive executive announced they're now requiring people to wear masks in public. Keep in mind that nearly four months have passed since St. Louis first shut down, and there's no end in sight, no giant glasses of wine, at least not with each other. So what impact does that kind of slog have on our mental health? And what can we do to safeguard it? Here to discuss all that and more is Dr. Jessie Gold. She's an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Washington University. Dr. Gold, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So the last time you joined us on the show, we were looking back on this. This was three and a half months ago. It was the beginning of St. Louis being shut down. What do you think of when you look back to that time? You know, I mean, it's very different. I think every week, maybe every day feels different. It just, I think, you know, for my patients, it's just been a really long haul. I think at the beginning, everybody was just getting adjusted and coping was a short-term coping. And now it's just how do I keep going and what is that going to look like and is this going to keep going indefinitely? And seeing college kids, that's am I ever going to go back to college in person? And today a lot of colleges announced that they were going to be online for the fall and I think that's a really big change for a lot of people. And I, I think it's just really hard looking back and thinking like we thought that this might have a more short-term stint, and it doesn't feel as short-term. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's harder now um, that we're looking at, uh, oh, there's going to be months and months, or have we just adjusted to this new reality, and so we're more willing to accept, all right, this is life, one foot in front of the other? I think, I think maybe both. I think some people are really good at adjusting to things and saying, like, all right, this is the new normal and the way that I can learn to live my life, and I think some people aren't. And I think the people that aren't are the ones that are struggling the most right now. Mm-hmm. I think that there's definitely people who really want to go back to whatever normal was before, and that is really hard because I don't know if that's going to happen and maybe not anytime soon. And when you really want that to be the way that it is, it's really hard to keep fighting that. Um, I think that, you know, if you want to go outside and not wear a mask, but everybody tells you you have to wear a mask, it can feel like you're fighting and fighting and fighting, and that fighting can make you anxious. It can make you have a lot of emotions, and those emotions can make this a lot harder. Um, I think that there's definitely people that are really easily able to adjust, and that's a different kind of personality. Hmm. So there's maybe some personalities that are just built better for this kind of of situation than others of us. I think personalities, I think maybe also like some of us have been up against some situations before in our life where they've been able to adjust and cope. I mean, I think I've talked to some patients who have had anxiety their whole life and actually have been like, listen, like I've been anxious my whole life. I've been waiting for the shoe to fall my whole life. Why is this any different? It's sort of like the uncertainty has always been there. So what is uncertainty is always 
the same no matter what's why is this uncertainty any different and I think that that's just been how they've been able to cope I think the recovery community some people in the recovery community live one day at a time and have lived one day at a time for a very long time so that's also been a community that's been able to shift their perspective to applying it pretty easily to right now you know like God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference is a pretty good thing to say right Right now, for all of us, I mean, I think that's a hard thing to accept, but the day-to-day living is kind of where we've been for a while, and it's hard to say, what can I change and what can't I change? Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this conversation, Dr. Gold and I want to invite you to join us. We're curious what has helped you adjust and cope to this strange new world that we're in, or if you're somebody who hasn't found a way to adjust and cope, perhaps Dr. Gold might have some expert advice for you. You can give us a call at 314-382-825. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air. Or you can email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, we put some of these ideas out there on social media this morning. Our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, which people are certainly welcome to join. It's a closed group, but very easy to get into. And we talk a lot about stuff coming up on the show, as well as through our Twitter account. And I'd ask people what sort of activities were helping safeguard their mental health. Aaron wrote on Twitter, all I know is thank heavens for telehealth therapy sessions. I have pretty severe OCD and tend to focus in on health-related issues. Temperature checking is one of my obsessive behaviors even. I've had to become a cognitive behavioral therapy ninja to navigate this and stay mostly sane. Dr. Gold, it seems like Erin has a pretty healthy perspective on this. She's sort of channeling her OCD to work for her rather than against her. Yeah, absolutely. I saw that tweet this morning, too. I think it's really nice that she's been able to do that. I think it's really nice that we have teletherapy. I think that um, psychiatry and mental health in general is a field that has been able to adjust really nicely throughout the pandemic to be able to continue to to have care and have care accessible and honestly been able to provide care maybe more easily than some other medical specialties and maybe more accessibly to some populations. I mean, obviously, people who don't have internet and don't have Wi-Fi or don't have smartphones are limited in that way. But if you are in a place that you maybe never had access to a mental health provider before, you might get access now because you can open up your computer and you can see a provider. Or maybe if you had to travel two hours to see me at WashU, you don't have to now and you can open up your computer and see me and that's really nice and I think that's very helpful for people who might have social anxiety and don't want to come and do all of the things that you have to do to see a provider either and it definitely lessens a lot of the fears and just sort of like extra anxiety to come see a provider in the first place so it's really nice that we have that still available. I know when you and I talked months ago we were talking about what was then relatively new about telehealth and whether people were willing to give that a try. Have you seen as these months have dragged on that that people who were initially resistant are understanding hey this, this actually does work. I think so. I mean, I think, you know, there's definitely people who would totally prefer to come see us in person. And I I myself understand that completely as a people person. I would love to see a lot of my patients in person, but, you know, we're still not there yet. And there's still a lot of precautions that, you know, make it so that I prefer to be seeing a lot of my patients remotely. Um, I think a lot of specialties are opening up and being able to see people with masks now. And that's really nice. And I think for psychiatry and for mental health, a lot of providers are still keeping a lot of precautions because it's, you know, you might as well not have to talk to someone through a 
mask if you don't have to. Um, but I think, yeah, people are really adjusting to it. I think it's nice if you can have something is better than nothing. And I think for some people, they like it better than they would have liked any sort of in-person therapy. I think, you know, some people like the, the apps where you text, you know, that's like an easy adjustment. And I think maybe this is just like a quick way of getting used to doing therapy at all. <laughs> and maybe if they had that and then later on when we can do more in person, maybe they'll want to do that in the future. Or maybe they'll want to do 50-50 or maybe they'll want to come when they can. But it definitely saves the transportation, which I think is really, really huge. Uh, We also heard from Mary through our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, and she writes, please discuss how to get help for a mental health crisis, the safety of hospitalization for mental health during COVID, also the benefits of calling your local police department to have your family member listed so a CIT-trained officer will respond quietly if called. This is something I'm not familiar with. Dr. Gold, is that something that that you have any um, expertise on or could address? I can address some of that, I think. So I think, you know, I think hospitals in general are still very safe. I think people are really afraid to come to get care. But, you know, I think the hospital is still one of the safest places that you will possibly go because we've been, you know, keeping precautions as best as we can. You can always get help in the hospital. If you need help, come to the hospital for help. If you're suicidal, if you have any needs that feel urgent, don't hesitate to come get help. You will get help in the hospital. So that's the first thing I would say. If you have a family member you're concerned about at that level of care, please do come get help and don't hesitate. Um, We do keep, you know, if you have any sort of, um, like, COVID symptoms or concern for that. Obviously, we do screen, and if there's something for that, you would be ruled out on a different unit, um, at least at WashU, as far as I know. I don't do inpatient psychiatry, so I will give that caveat, and I only do it when I'm covering, um, so I will put that out there. Um, as, as, as far as it goes for, I think what she's asking about is um, the police response, and I'm not as well-versed to that in St. Louis. Um, I trained in California, and some of that is different city to city and who responds to mental health emergencies and whether those people are police and whether those people are EMTs and whether those people are, you know, other people that are trained in mental health, like social workers. And I think that's a part of the conversation around um, racial justice and who should be responding to these, um, you know, whether this is something that the police should be doing or whether this is something that the police should not be doing. And I think it is a really important conversation because, you know, mental health patients are more likely to be the victims of crime and victims of violence um, than they are to be the perpetrators, despite what you might see in the media and despite what the stigma is around um, people that have mental illness being perpetrators of violence. So I think it's definitely something we should be talking about, and it's definitely something we should have conversations around. Okay. We're talking to Dr. Jessie Gold. She's an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Washington University. We do want to invite you to join us if you have questions about dealing with mental health issues during this pandemic, or if you found something that helps you adjust and cope, you can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Mary also had one more thing she was hoping you could address, Dr. Gold, and that is, she says, please discuss how hard it is to get a new patient appointment with a new psychiatrist and therapist. She adds, yeah, we had a rough May. And and Mary, our heart goes out to you. It does sound like you were dealing with a lot there. But Dr. Gold, is that the case? Is Is it hard to find a psychiatrist who's willing to take on new clients at this point? 
You know, I think it really depends on where you live and where your access is. It's definitely the mental health system in this country. I could go on for hours about how complicated it is mm. and how many things we need to do to fix it. Um, that is a whole other conversation, and I will say that's definitely something that needs to be reformed and something we should be talking about in this whole conversation because, you know, if anything, we've learned that there are many inequities in our system and there are many things that need to be changed, and the mental health system is definitely one of them. Access is something that needs to be looked at. Um, people need to be able to get care when they when and they need it, and they need to be able to get care easily and affordably. Um, I think we, for one, have appointments that I know of. I think that we're trying to be able to get more appointments. It's definitely hard to find. Um, psychiatry is usually a bit harder than um, therapy in the community. Um, I think just because of sh sheer numbers of psychiatrists versus therapists and mm -hmm. what it means to be a therapist, because um, that definition could be a psychologist, that could be a social worker, that could be a master's in counseling. There's a lot of people who meet that definition and who might be able to provide therapy, whereas people who are psychiatrists are just people who are MDs and able to prescribe medication. So that just limits that. And then often, like then a child and adolescent psychiatrist went to additional training and they are even harder to get access to mm. when I completely empathize with that concern. Um, I think, you know, I think if you can't get access, the easiest place to start would be to go to your primary care provider. Um, they're really good at prescribing like basic medication for anxiety and depression. Um, they know how to do that. I, I am very comfortable with them doing that. I think if they can't handle it, they do help get you to psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's an easy place to start if you're feeling like you're having trouble and you're not like, you know, able to get connected quite yet, they're pretty able to, you know, start you off in, in a way that might feel good, especially right now. Um, I think there are places that, you know, right now probably can do telepsych and telepsychiatry across state lines, but it's a little more complicated and I don't know that I can fully vouch for all of those companies quite yet. Um, but I think there are, there are definitely ideas that are popping up to be able to solve that a little bit better and magnify people's reach with the different, you know, re rules and regulations around this and to make it a little bit easier for people to get access and get access across state lines. And, and one of the things that I wanted to make a point of asking you about here today, you've done some writing in the past few weeks on protecting our mental health, quote, even while we're watching the news. I keep hearing this this term doom scrolling. And boy, if this doesn't describe my habit sometimes, I don't know what does. How big of a problem is this? Those of us who are just staying up to date on all the latest headlines and freaking ourselves out rather than doing anything positive with that information. I think it's a balance, right? I think we need to be informed, and I think that it's really important that we know the information and that we get good information and information from trusted sources, and that we also balance that with our mental health. So if you're noticing that when you watch the news or read the news, all that you're feeling is intense emotions, or you're noticing it's interrupting your sleep, or you're noticing that all you do is read the news and you're not doing 
doing anything else, like interacting with your friends and family, or you stop doing the things that you enjoy, you really need to check that and probably figure out how to do other self-care in the interim. So for me, I was spending a lot of time doing social media and social media scrolling before bed. Mm -hmm. And I actually had to figure out how to put my phone away and out of my room at night and um, actually spend the hour before bed reading and doing like podcasts and things that have absolutely nothing to do with the news. And that's been really helpful for my own sleep and my own relaxation. And trust me, like that hour before bed, the news still goes on, but it did not change much. And you can absolutely catch up in the morning and it's okay. And I think that that's something you have to tell yourself too. Like it's okay if you don't know everything at every minute. And um, I think that that's something we just have to get used to. We have to put limits on it, especially right now when it changes a lot, but it's also really negative. And there's just a lot of news that can really affect us. And as you mentioned, though, that news goes on with or without us. We can check it in the morning, and it's not like anything has changed by the fact that we've managed to figure out what's happening. I think that's a great point. Now, the flip side of this, um, which continues to kind of blow my my, my brain a little bit, but um, I've talked to some introverts who seem to be really enjoying this new normal, and they say they feel a little bit guilty about that. Should they feel guilty about that? Not at all. I mean, I think that anything you're feeling right now is fine. I think we beat ourselves up for feelings, and I think that we're allowed to have any feelings that we have, and joy or enjoyment is an okay feeling. I think that it's hard when the world is really hard and other people are struggling that we can feel any sort of enjoyment. You know, if it's your birthday and you had an okay day, you're allowed to still have had a good birthday. It's okay that that happens even though there are people dying and there's racism and the world is hard, you know? And if we go through every day and all we think about is the negatives, it'll be really hard to get through this because there are a lot of really hard things. So I think if you're an introvert and you've realized that this has actually been quite good for you, I'm glad because then you can maybe get more stuff done than the rest of us and maybe you can fix some of the things that we're all struggling with. So uh, one last thing. Cindy on Facebook writes, my daughter is really struggling. She's 27, earned her master's degree in December, can't find employment. She has anxiety mixed with depression. I don't know how to help her see a positive future. She did seek professional help, but the counselor wasn't a good match. She really didn't get anything from it. Any help appreciated. Uh, Dr. Gold, I know that's a lot to deal with there, but what would be your one minute version of of what Cindy might want to recommend to her daughter there? Yeah, I mean, I think opening up the lines of communication are really important. I think that, you know, when we when we see people in our life that we really love that are struggling, one of the things that we want to do is really, really just help them. But often that can come off like, what can I do to fix this and how can I fix this? And sometimes that can feel really hard for the other person because we're just constantly offering solutions and often we just really need to listen. So just opening up the space to give the person space to listen can help. So approaching it with saying things like, um, I've noticed that you're, you're still really anxious. Is there something that you'd like to talk about? Or is there, is there a way that I can be helpful? Or, you know, questions that are more open-ended can be useful. I think, you know, talking about how 
the fit with the therapist might not have been the best fit, but you've heard that often the the way that people get the most out of therapy is if you like the person, and that is really important. So, I, you know, it's not a good comparison, but therapy is a, li- a bit like dating, and you, you we're very used to people not liking us and, in fact, expect <laughs> people not to like us. Um, so if you don't like the person, you're not going to get a lot out of it, and the research is all about fit. So the best fit is the best success. So, so just like dating, like person, you, uh, you yes, might want to like get back dating. in there in the pool. Yep, get back in there, find someone you like, and that's okay. And, and, and that's a good way to get back. It's like getting back on the horse for dating, too, you know? <laughs> and, and Dr. Gold, that's actually the perfect note to end on. We're unfortunately out of time today, but Dr. Jesse Gold of Washington University, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.